Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Good afternoon, everybody. It is Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode. Hope everybody's staying safe, staying healthy. I know things are kind of crazy out there, but we're here for you talking music to try to give you a little bit of an escape from what is reality right now. And I'd like to welcome in our next guest. It's from a band that I am really excited about, big fan of their EP, Place and Time, that was released last year. Their new single, which was out uh, about a month ago, a little bit maybe uh, longer than that. But I'd like to welcome in guitar player from Joyous Wolf, Blake Allard. How are you doing, man? Hey, Jay. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Uh, I am a huge fan of you guys. I love your your new song, Odyssey. Love the EP that came out last year. Uh, big things, I think, are on the horizon for you guys. Um, I know I interviewed Nick last fall, and uh, it's glad I'm glad to have you on here as well. Oh, thanks, man. That means a lot. I appreciate it. Well, I'm happy to be here also. So how are you guys doing? Good. You know, um, with I think, you know, in other cases with the different bands that are kind of in a similar position as us, um, it, it's obviously very hard not being able to, you know, make our living and do what we're supposed to do and play shows live. But um, kind of at the other end of the spectrum, we have all of this free time to be able to really sit down and kind of focus on probably the most important part of our band and that songwriting. And so we kind of all kind of like right now have somewhat of like an excuse, I guess, if you want to call it that to kind of be able to all sit down and uh, just go through separate bodies of work during this time. So we're trying to find the positive in it. Yeah. You know, you got to find a silver line. I'm, I'm a big believer in out of something bad, something good always happens. And hundred percent. Yeah. And if that good means more material for you guys to tour on and more material for your fans, that's a good thing. I know some people do have difficulty being inspired or writing music during this time because it can be very monotonous and there's really not much to do. I understand mm-hmm. that perspective as well, but it's good to hear that 
you know, you guys are, are pushing through and writing new material because that's exciting, you know, being a fan of your, your band and, you know, to hear more music. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, I definitely like to hear some more too. So it'd be <laughs> nice for us to get a jump start on that. And, you know, we're definitely not immune to, uh, the monotony also, you know, we definitely feel it, but, um, we still have some options, uh, in the area that we're in to fight, to try and break off and do some things that we can. So we're, we're, uh, trying to find some different avenues of uh, inspiration. Definitely at this moment, I think. You know, I had a conversation with George Lynch last week and he was talking about playing Sturgis uh, a couple weeks ago. Okay. And he talked about the, you know, the differences in terms of, you know, being around people backstage and, you know, restricting himself to his, he, he, he did a huge camping trip. He kind of incorporated that into his whole Sturgis uh, show. So he came in a camper and he was like, you know, it was only me, you know, and my tech and it was just, you know, I, I stayed in, in my camper until it was showtime. You know, I didn't socialize with people like I normally do. He's like, mm-hmm. so, you know, there's a lot of, you know, differences is, into how he approached that show versus what he did before COVID hit. True. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. Um, with the kind of industry that we're in, it's kind of interesting to hear how things have changed or how people are trying to uh, do the same thing, but adapting to it, you know? So um, if people like him can continue to do that in a somewhat positive way, I mean, obviously, like you said, he's still doing it, you know? So that's a good thing. But um, it's just definitely just staying positive and trying to find the right way to do things at this time, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get into more of that uh, as we talk here, but I'd like to Go into what our our normal first question is to anytime we have a first time guest. I know I asked you a couple questions prior to this, but it's the essence of the show, which is the hook rocks. And just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a mm-hmm. song, an album, a band, or a performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Oh man, like like my first one or just a memorable one? Well, what hooked you on rock? What made you a rock fan? Um, you know, to be honest, that's kind of a weird question because when this whole band of ours started, um, I had just came from basically playing like death metal and I had gotten pretty sick of it, to be honest with you. And I had just met this singer who I later knew as Nick and that was one of the first questions that I asked him when he was um, first trying to form a band. Like my first question was, you know, what kind of music is it going to be? And he was like, I have no idea. And so I was like, okay, like I'm down for anything. Like it could be alternative pop music. It could be like hard rock music. Like I'd be up for anything. And then I think kind of the discussion came about where we all, the, the three of us at the time kind of sat down and we were like, what music do we all uh, agree on or kind of like bond over. And I think some of the most memorable, memorable ones were, uh, definitely like audio slave, um, ACDC, Nick and I bonded over a lot of, uh, old blues stuff at the time, like, uh, BB King and cream and muddy waters, a lot of influences from our dads on that one. But, um, for me personally, um, 
two albums that kind of linger in my head always and forever where will be uh back in black by acdc and uh what is oh yeah the uh, guns and road is guns and roses uh greatest hits album those were the two albums that i had when i was a kid before i even knew what rock music was and so kind of hearing that for the first time was my first exposure to rock music and i just listened to them over and over and over again it was like the kind of music and the kind of songs because they were so good that never got boring for me and that's always the kind of impact that i've wanted to have as a band personally like i really wanted to have a great energy and perception as a band while also having like the powerful songs behind it so i would definitely say those two albums have still had a big uh, influence on me when we talk about your progression into music you play guitar for joyous wolf you're the lead guitar player Mm-hmm. Where, who was it that made you want to pick up the guitar and play? Um, well, first off, it was my dad because um, I have like I have really no foundation of musical background until he started teaching me a few things on guitar when I was about thirteen, and then um, kind of just started from there and then I just got addicted to learning stuff on YouTube and it kind of becomes became second nature or like an addiction for me to try and learn as much as I could or anything that I didn't know I wanted to know so I had the ability to use it or not use it kind of at my will um so I think it was definitely kind of something that I became obsessed with as a teenager (laughs) definitely was there a particular guitar player that you know you really were influenced by or you gravitated to? Oh yeah, at the time, uh, Slash was a huge, uh, huge influence. Uh, not only iconically, just you know, I mean, he's the most iconic guitar player in rock music, but he he was definitely a, a player where when I listened to his um, to his songs and to his band's work, I was always remembering the guitar parts, and I was always being able to hum the melodies of his solos even to this day. Um, I didn't know who Angus Young was at the time, but uh, the same thing kind of went for him. Like he had this very uh, almost like fluid kind of train of thought in his solos where, uh, and Hendrix kind of has this too a lot. If you listen to a lot of the live stuff that he does, where everything that he plays, it just sounds so natural and fluid and it doesn't sound like he's copying and pasting anything. He just expresses what he feels. And I've always kind of resonated with that uh, kind of expression. So uh, definitely I would say those two at first, when I first started playing guitar, it would have been those fired me the most. I, you know, grew up listening to Slash and Slash is like you said, you know, being able to hum his melody of his solos, like someone could actually sing or put lyrics to that melody. Very similar to like a Joe Walsh who does the same thing, you know, makes the guitar sing. And it's a very unique mm-hmm. way of playing. And I always love that style. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, um, it's definitely a new level of music, musicianship and uh, guitar playing when you have that kind of ability to, sometimes uh be bigger than your instrument you know you focus so much on the music that 
the instrument just becomes a vessel and what people really remember is is the music and not your guitar playing so it's a pretty pretty crazy thing to be able to do when was the moment you wanted to be in a band and play on stage um it's a good question i remember when my dad was first influencing me with all of the kind of blues rock music and uh, I remember, I, I, I think I was like one month into learning guitar, so I was just absolutely terrible. But I got to sit in on a jam session with my dad, my uncle, and my family's really good friend who played drums at the time. And they were all incredible musicians, just like extremely well veteran and like very tight. And I got to sit in with them for a jam session. And they just let me basically solo and play a couple rhythm parts. But it was the first time that I ever like locked in as a band. And uh, I had that experience with them. So that was super important to me. Um, but actually come to think of it, before that I did uh, my eighth grade talent show, funny enough. And I actually did two Avenged Sevenfold uh, cover songs for it. So I was super into them at the time. And uh, just hearing the crowd reaction from the simplicity of just me doing that um, emulated somewhat of like a live experience for me. So I would definitely say it was uh, it was that grade school or middle school experience that uh, kind of addicted me for the rest of my life and still has to this day. It's only gotten worse. <laughs> well, no, I, everybody has their different path and I'm always curious to know, you know, how, the progression, the evolution of the artist, you know, when, when does rock and roll hit you? When does music hit you? When does playing an instrument become part of that path? And then when does wanting to be in a band and perform for people be, be part of that journey? And it's always interesting because everybody has, of course, a different answer. And it's right. just, it's just great to hear different people's different perspective and where they come from and how they were influenced you know, when you think about your path in music, you mentioned you were in a, a death metal band prior to Joyous Wolf. How did that come about? <laughs> That's a really good question, honestly, because I have no idea how that happened. Um, I knew that just at the time, because like, like I told you before, the first pieces of music that I really listened to were like, like, I mean, for rock music, I had those, but my mom had some old CDs from like the two thousands, like of Slipknot and Lincoln Park. So like that might've played a little bit of an influence on it. Um, I was also super into the video game guitar hero and I kind of picked from their catalog, um, some stuff. And I know that some of the stuff on there was, uh, was pretty heavy at times but i mean your guess is as good as mine i can barely remember was it just like hey you know was this your first band that you were in or was it you know just something to do at that at that point no it was definitely the first band i was in uh i knew an uh, incredible couple of musicians who were jazz musicians at my school a bassist and a drummer and i guess i was just expressing how i felt at the time um i've always had like the need to express some sort of intense emotions even today with rock music. But I guess it just manifested itself a little bit differently for me in high school. And uh, the people I was around kind of uh, shared the same influence or shared the same idea at the time, I guess. 
Whenever I tell people about Julius Wolf, one of the things I always tell them is this is a band that's able to fuse 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s music seamlessly together and make it sound modern. Um, you know, very impressed with the Place and Time EP. Love the new song, Odyssey. How does, you know, all of your influence, how are you able to, you know, put it all together? I know Nick talked about being influenced by like James Brown and, you know, a lot of blues artists back, you know, from back in the day. And then you, you bring your influences in. It's got to be pretty interesting how that develops and how you guys create your own sound. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it, it's actually probably one of my favorite parts of this band is because we all have our own uh, different influences. Uh, we all share probably, I would say, like the core of root influences. But there's definitely some where we break away. And um, that was a really interesting thing to be exposed to on tour because when you're on tour and like, let's say you're the one driving, like you're going to be listening to the driver's music. So you're basically exposed to that for however many hours. And um, we all got exposed to each other's music and we like got addicted to each other's uh, musical influences because we're all pretty similar people. And so we can kind of see each other's uh, point of view or perspective on things, especially when music is involved. So when we're involved to like other art for the first time, it's just like start that addiction process over again. Like we all love, like you said, uh, music from the sixties, seventies, eighties and nineties. So um, it's a compliment that you say we're able to, you know, um, have that same emotion as, as those uh, decades were able to, because it's a very important thing for us because we feel very special every time we listen to certain music from any of those decades. And we just want to have the same kind of excitement and energy as, uh, as those did. Definitely. I know one of your goals as a band or your expectations as a band is to keep growing and to keep evolving, keep stretching yourself in that creative process. When you hear place and time, you hear those songs. I mean, obviously there was the Mississippi queen cover, uh, prior mm-hmm. to that and some other songs you know from from a, from a different session prior to that EP coming out now you have the new song Odyssey how do you feel about the evolution of the band because you can hear it as a fan you know when I heard the new song I can totally see you the growth of the band what mm-hmm. is what's what was the new process of recording like versus what you guys did with the EP well um, to talk about that process just for a second like we have it made right now 100 percent. we are probably an insanely lucky band as far as our process is able to go for recording because we are able to do it the way that we've always dreamt of doing it since we formed and started a band the way the odyssey was recorded was it was recorded as a live band um it was recorded to tape. It was recorded with all real instruments, uh, no samples, anything like that. We just, I feel like we got to hear ourselves for the first time. And at least in my opinion, I don't know how other people may perceive it. I hope they can. But when I hear Odyssey, there's definitely like another level of excitement that, um, just talking about that, I think we achieved, um, 
in that song for sure. Um, you know, it, it was different doing something like Odyssey and, and I'm glad we did it. Uh, we'll definitely do more things that are similar more things that are a little bit different in the future. But as far as the process goes behind it, it was like a dream come true. And because we're working with our new producer, uh, Jay Rustin, he just feels like a fifth member of the band, the way that he, as cheesy as that is to say, uh, just the way that he understands us kind of uh, subconsciously because we like the same music and we like his process, the way that he produces and the ideas that he has and all that kind of stuff. So we're extremely, extremely blessed in this moment. So I think going forward, it's only going to get better, which is a, a really inspiring thing to be an artist, uh, to be able to say that. During that session, when you recorded Odyssey, was there any other material that was recorded? There was, yeah. There was another song that's going to be released in the near future called uh, Get Religion. Uh, that's going to be another single that comes out uh, to be announced. <laughs> and uh, I'm very excited about that song also because it was recorded the same exact way with the same exact processes. Um, arguably more high energy than Odyssey was. Uh, but I... I I like both of them very much so, and I hope that uh, the rest of our fans do too. You know, when you talk about these songs that recorded during this session, what's going on with recording new music? I know there was a plan for to do a new album, have a new album by the end of this year, maybe early part of next year. What is the timeline for a new Joyous Wolf album? Uh, well, we definitely have plans of uh, new EPs to surface within the next coming months. Um, as far as a full length record is concerned, I think we really want to take our time with that and make sure that everything that we write is, uh, very well thought out and, uh, sort of like a theme as you, a lot of the times feel with most albums. So, um, I think at this point there doesn't seem to be, um, a huge rush to do that just from our point of view, because like I said, we want to take our time, uh, but we'll see, you know, it's definitely possible uh, in the somewhat near future, but as it stands right now, we're kind of still uh, growing as a band. We're still very new and uh, we definitely want to experiment and uh, kind of get things out there at the same time too. Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, you know, with the current reality that uh, we're living through right now, uh, I've talked to other bands too as well, and there's just been everything's been delayed this year for the most part. A lot of bands that were planning on putting out material have pushed everything back to tw 2021. Mm -hmm. uh, people, instead of you know releasing their debut album, Bands are saying, okay, let's just take four songs from that album and just release an EP because no one knows when they're going to be able to hit the stage consistently again. And of course, you know, when you release an album or a new EP, you want to tour on it. And exactly. Yeah. Yes. And that's, and obviously the current circumstances make it difficult for that to happen. So that plays into it as well. It, it, it absolutely does. Uh, that is a huge part of it. And also, depending on what kind of band you are, uh, it can definitely affect your budget uh, because a lot of bands don't have a ton of income. And so a larger body of work obviously takes longer to record with 
more studio time and more overdubs and all that kind of stuff just stacks up with the, you know, with the 10 to 12, uh, track album. So it could just depend on any band situation. When I think of the current environment, like I was saying, you know, one of the things that has to happen in the future is bands and musicians and artists have to adapt to what may mm-hmm. be the new normal. Have you guys given any thought to that? Is that something that you guys discuss? Uh, no, no, definitely not. Um, I wouldn't say, I mean, to say that there is a new normal is a little premature. Um, I don't really think that's fair to say, um, because right now everybody is adapting. That's kind of really something everybody can agree on is, you know, all of the previous processes of things that were done a certain way are being adapted now. I mean, just because something's happening for a while doesn't mean that it's a new norm. It's still based on perspective. And the way that we look at it is this is still just temporary. As as far as, you know, the momentum that you guys were having, you know, prior to all this happening, you guys went on tour with Deep Purple, you toured with Mm -hmm. Buck Cherry, you were playing, you know, all over the place. And people were really connecting with you. Crowds were loving your live performances and what you guys were doing. Mm-hmm. In terms of, like I said, that momentum, you know, putting that on pause, has there been, you know, a, a plan in place? Is there a plan in place for Joyous Wolf that once things are open again, is it going to be back to what we were doing? Or is there things that you thought of to say, hey, let's approach it this way because I think we can get a different connection or a different impact to what we're doing? Uh, that's a, that's a good question. Actually. Um, that's definitely been a thought in our minds, uh, to try and reevaluate things depending on how they feel in the near future. But, um, I know that like a lot of other musicians, uh, we've just been building up more angst and more aggression and more passion during all this downtime. So I think if we know whatever we do, when we're ready to do it, when everybody's ready to do it, uh, it'll just be more intense than it was before, which I think is a really good thing in our situation. Cause I think us as a band thrives off of uh, energy and intensity. So uh, I think it'll only be better, which I'm really excited for. I'm really excited for rock music. Once things settle down and, you know, get back to normal. I, I really think mm-hmm. that rock is ready to explode. I think rock was ready to explode prior because, When you you look at all the bands that were coming out and kind of just underneath the surface of mainstream, there were so many bands that were getting ready to punch through and, you know, be a, you know, a viable touring act of a band that connected with the youth of today. Uh, Granted, they had to be put on pause, but I think with all the things that are happening, you mentioned the angst and you mentioned how, you know, things are going to be you know, more intense. And I, and I think it's a recipe for success for rock and roll because I think rock and roll thrives on that. I think all that pent up angst in the youth of today, doing the same thing, doing the e-learning that they're doing, not really doing much. I mean, my son, you know, said to me back in the spring, this sucks doing the same thing every day. And I think rock and roll has positioned itself to really feed off of that. Do you agree? I, I completely agree. Yes, I think that the that the heart soul of rock music is being able to thrive and feed on uh, everything 
that is happening right now as far as relaying or kind of describing all of the human emotions that we're feeling or consciously choosing to not feel at this time. So I, I completely, I completely agree with you. And I think, you know, as the youth of today grows older and connecting with that generation, I think is so important for the relevancy of rock music, because I think it's had some challenges over the last decade or so with just not being at the forefront Rock and Roll never, has never really been mainstream, although it's had peaks of success. But I think, you know, with this whole COVID shutdown, you know, doing things differently, not having live music, albums being delayed, you, you know, just and kids just sitting around just going, you know, what's next? What's going to happen? Connecting with that, because I know there is a lot of young people that are ready for it. Um, when you think about Joyous Wolf and you think about what is next once this happens. I know it's hard, hard to have a crystal ball because it's so unknown, but what do you guys mm-hmm. expect from yourselves once things do get back to normal? Um, we definitely expect to just go harder um, with everything that we were previously doing to just do more of it. So we want to be doing, we want to be doing uh, more new material Um that is just going to be more intense and more exciting than our previous material because we are growing in our own emotions. And like we just talked about, we're kind of absorbing our environment every day now. So able to, being able to connect with other people on that level is super important with everything that's going on. Um, but I can definitely say that we're going to be doing probably almost as much touring as we were the previous year. Uh, as soon as all of this is over, uh, we have a, a lot of really good plans to release some new music and some different versions of some old music, actually. So uh, I think all of that kind of plays into um, into our future. And I, I totally understand what you were saying earlier about, you know, rock has never been at the, at the forefront of the, uh, of the biggest genre. But I think that that just goes along with what's good in music right now. And also what's able to connect with people right now, not to say that rock music hasn't been good recently, because that's absolutely not true. But I think that when it's so universal and it's put on a platform, that's being able to be seen by the masses and it's received as being something that can be internalized by the viewer. I think that it's, it's almost like undeniable, whatever genre it may be at that point. So I, I have no worries whatsoever. I'm actually trying to hold in my excitement every day just because of, I know the things that we kind of have planned for when that is all ready to go. So just kind of working toward that day by day while I can is basically our goal at the moment. I am excited because I think about all these new bands with Joyous Wolf included and just the amount of music that's been created and what the future holds that, you know, as a fan of rock music and growing up, you know, with the music that I, that I grew up with and plus, you know, being immersed in the new rock scene as well, you know, whether it's interviewing you guys or, you know, a band that I know Nick, uh, mentioned was of limbo. I had a chance to talk to them, 
of course, and then South of Eden. And some, there's so many other bands to name that I just think it's, it's there for the taking in terms of being the next great rock generation when you think about all the new bands. And I know classic rock fans have an issue with new music. A lot of classic mm-hmm. rock fans, you know, don't like to listen to anything past 1992. But, right. you know, as a new band, you shouldn't care about the classic rock band. Not that you, you know, not care about them because they could be fans just like I am. But the demographic you want to hit is the younger generation because once they're a fan of you, they grow up being a fan of you and they stay being a fan of you. You know, to turn a classic rock fan into listening to the same 50 songs on classic rock stations to a band like Joyous Wolf or whatever band you can think of, that's a that's a hard, that's a tough mountain to climb. So, you know, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, being in part, I mean, everyone calls it the new wave of classic rock. I don't really like that tag because <laughs> it's not classic rock. It's new wave of rock. Um, mm-hmm. But how do you feel about, you know, the older generation kind of most of it, scoffing at the newer bands oh new rock sucks and then you have the new generation that you know is always getting pop music thrown at them and hip-hop and rap thrown at them and you know you don't even see the rock awards on the grammys you don't you know the rock and roll hall of fame is telling people what rock and roll is now it's tough man it's you know (laughs) it's a tough thing but how how do you guys feel about that I think we kind of got out all of our understandings and frustrations about that whole thing at the beginning of our band stage, because we, I mean, we've had this conversation as a band at least a thousand times. Like we totally understand uh, that whole concept. Um, Obviously it's something that we've wanted to do, you know, uh, appeal to the younger generation. But I mean, to be honest with you, rock music is just rock music. Like we, we understand it's not at the forefront and we don't really care. I mean, rock music was like this only cool thing that like the dudes wearing leather jackets in high school liked, like it wasn't something that was generally accepted at the beginning. That was like cool or like whatever, you know, you liked it because it was a music that spoke to you. And I would just hope that, you know, maybe the older generations want to give a try to newer rock music and not listen to it in the sense of, Oh, I, I hear this and I just hear, uh, you know, name any classic rock band ever, but maybe just try and sit down and see if you can have a new experience with something in a kind of unbiased way as a listener. And I would say the same for the younger generation too. I mean, listen to some older music that you've never heard of before. Like maybe, someone has never heard of the band guns and roses and they go and listen to it and they absolutely fall in love with the music genre. And that's their turning point. Like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of things that on both sides of generations can do better, but as like a kind of blanket blanket statement, I would say is just give new music a try that you don't kind of have preconceived notions that you're hanging on to because it, it will never matter in our opinion, what's popular in music. Cause it, you know, it could be, could be rap and hip hop. Now it could be pop. It could be country in two months. Like we don't really care. Like we think that if our music is good enough, it will affect 
a great amount of people just by being relatable and hopefully good and that that's really all we could ever hope for. I think the frustration for myself as a fan is when I have conversations with people and they can get on social media, they can get on Facebook, they can get on Twitter, they can get on YouTube, they can watch all these things. And then they say to me, I don't know where to find new music. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel like you've made it this far getting on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. There's that search option that every one of those <laughs> social media platforms have. Um, you, you've gotten this far. You can go a little further. And it just, uh, it, it's just like I just rack my brain like, how do you how do you not know where to find it? You're you're basically it's at your fingertips. I Google whatever or find a, a platform that you're comfortable with reading and using mm-hmm. that you know exposes new music. Um, to just say that, and I do, and I do think that there's some truth to there being too many platforms because you know it it is sometimes overwhelming for someone who's you know, do I find them on YouTube? Do I find them on a streaming service? Do I find them on, you know? So yeah, I, I do understand that. Some people think mm-hmm. more is, is positive, you know, and I sometimes believe less is more because I think sometimes it kind of gets lost in, in translation. But, you know, going back to what I was saying is, you know, people have to want to find it. And I've always been that one fan that's always looking for, something new. I love Led Zeppelin. They're my favorite band of all time. I love Van Halen. I love Rush. I love ACDC. I love all those bands. But if I stopped listening to new music, it would get boring. It would, it would, you know, it would not satisfy me. And I don't know why certain people are the way they are. And certain people are more, you know, experimental in terms of listening and keeping an open mind. But yeah, it just, it frustrates me that people either just suddenly become ignorant in trying to find new music or maybe just, they just don't want to. Yeah. You know, I think I mean, talking about possibly like an older generation of, um, of people attempt, you know, trying to find new music. It's also different because in the past, good music was generally played on the radio good new music was given a chance on the radio at first listen, first play. Um, you turn on the radio now and it's either new pop music that you've never heard of, or it's the same, like you said, the same classic songs you've heard forever, just, just being played again. So there's not really a new avenue for people to easily be able to discover new music and it's also a different process that's ever been available for people to try and find music like i mean for me personally the best way that i usually find uh my new music that i want to listen to is either like a weird related video on youtube or it would be uh, a related artist on spotify but a lot of people don't know that a lot of people don't know how to do that it might seem like a weird kind of rabbit hole to deep uh, dig down inside of, uh, but but I agree with what you're saying. You know, if if I were to just listen to old music all the time, I might get sick of music after a while. You know, it might be nostalgic for a lot of people, and maybe they still like those songs because it reminds them of certain things, and maybe that's enough for certain people. And you know what? That's okay. But for the people who 
understand that they want more out of it, um, you know, it's definitely not enough. It's like a tale, you know, of, of two cities, basically, you know, you have, you know, one city that's, you know, trying to feed off new music and wants to hear it and wants to keep things fresh. And then the other city just wants to be comfortable and just wants to kind of stay in their box. I mean, it's almost even like when an artist tries to experiment with something different, you know, and stretch themselves, you know, classic rock fans like to keep their artists in their, in their box. And they don't like yes. it when they venture out of their box. And when they do, they have a very difficult time adapting to a new sound or a new style. But that artist has to keep evolving. You know, not everybody is ACDC, where you can release basically the same album over and over again, and it still sounds kick-ass, and it still sounds awesome. That, mm-hmm. But that's rare, though. That's not every artist. And I appreciate when an artist tries to evolve and tries to do something different and tries to keep growing. You know, I, like I said earlier in the conversation, hearing the growth in the song Odyssey versus pre, you know the previous Place and Time EP was great to hear. I love it when a band does that. You know, I love it when you can hear that growth. Um, and I love it when a band is, is just, you know, getting better and better. Because I used to love that when I was younger, and I still do. I still hold on to that. But, you know, I, I wish everybody, you know, felt the same. But then again, I also have the feeling, too, that, okay, fine, the classic rock generation is what it is. The, the concentration should be on the younger fans. And I think, I think younger fans are starting to get it. I mean, I see my 15-year-old kid, I bring him up a lot in my conversations, and his friends thriving on new rock music and listening to new rock music. I mean, he sends me his playlist all the time, and it's bands I've never even heard of. So... I think it's coming. I think it's there. It's right there. And I think once this pause is turned to play in terms of the pandemic, I think it's a recipe for success for rock music. And, and I agree with you also that rock doesn't have to be mainstream, but I just would like to see it more recognized for what it is. And I think sometimes in terms of relevancy, it, it isn't. Oh, you're definitely not wrong. No, you, you're a hundred percent right. I, I would definitely love to see that too. It's just that I'm definitely not going to wait around for somebody to decide that rock music is relevant again. Right. You know, like that's not my job. My job is to make rock music or our job is to make rock music relevant again by just being a band, not from some try hard campaign for making this specific music popular again, just for the sake of it, but just, as like an after effect of it just being good music. Like, I really just think that's all it takes. Um, and yeah, like, you know, like you were just saying also, um, there's different avenues for younger and old and older generations. To be honest with you, I really don't care. Like if it's older or younger generation, because like our music will reach, will hopefully reach both. It's just that to what you were saying before, there does need to be a more universal form of platform for it. That I definitely uh, do agree with you on because, um, you know, some bands uh, do make an artistic change and as much as you can respect them for it, like fans don't care if a band does something new or not. Like a lot of the time, like, if it's good, then it's good. But if they make a change and it's still bad, like they're not going to be a fan of that band anymore because they're like, oh yeah, they did something new, but it wasn't really that good. So I, I don't really know how to feel about it. 
Um, a great example of that, in my opinion, was uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. They were like this crazy, intense, hard-driving, like, funk band who really didn't have any, like, a lot of memorable songs back when, like, uh, the album that George Clinton produced was out. But then they made this crazy change when Frusciante got the band. And then uh, Blood Sugar came out and Stadium Arcadium came out. And there were a lot of fans that probably dropped from them. But, oh, my God, the amount that they gained from that transition was, like, was crazy. They ascended to a new level of popularity and songwriting as a band. So um, I just think if it's, uh, if it's good music, it's good music. I think that that will always break out any mold. It uh, doesn't matter if your genre is popular or not, but uh, I think that there does need to be some sort of, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to say like more awareness on the topic in uh, in a more pop culture sort of spotlight. I think it definitely does deserve that, you know. What was it like touring with Deep Purple? I mean, that was basically a classic rock crowd, you know, band that's been around for decades. What was that experience like? As far as the reception from the fans go? Yes. Uh, you know, uh, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. I, I, it wasn't as hard as we thought it was going to be. We thought that, you know, everybody was coming to see Smoke on the Water. And everybody would show up at the last 15 minutes or whatever it was to see their their biggest song or whatever you want to call it, you know? Um but there is a sense of fan base with them. And, you know, you're always going to have the people who go there to see smoke on the water and have a good time, relive all those memories. But there's still like a core people that go to their shows who just like rock music. And maybe they didn't um, expect to see a new rock band, but they definitely did. Um, some people might, you know, were definitely open to it and some people weren't. Um, but I would say it was definitely still good overall because we still had a reception with, I would say, a decent amount of people from that experience. Well, Blake, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Um, re- appreciate you coming on. Just, uh... Oh, of course, Jake. I mean, thank you so much for having me, and thanks for you know all you're doing for the scene of rock music right now. It's, it's definitely helping, and it's very appreciated. Anytime. Thank you again very much. Once again, everybody, that's Blake Allard from Joyous Wolf. I'm Jay Scott from The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Take care, stay healthy, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks.
Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years' experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I 270 and MD 85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1 800 Gambler. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 